Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendez. I hope you guys were well on your Sunday morning on this week's show. Then we'll be looking back at yesterday's 2-0 home defeat against Bolton Wanderers. Successive defeats now uh, for the Addicts. Bolton's fifth win in a row against Charlton uh, as well. To mole over that one uh, with me, first up, top right, is Nathan Moller. How you doing, Nath? How's it going, mate? Yeah, living the dream. Yeah, we go again. We go again. Not another zero points on the board, um, unfortunately. <laughs> and also on the bottom of the screen, back from one of our many holidays, is, uh, is Sue Gallup. Hey, Dean Sue. I'm very good, thank you very much, boys. It's good to be back. I think mm, it's good. It's good to have you back. Well, as uh, well, you've had the same effect that Nathan coming back did, is, is that you brought us a defeat, unfortunately. But, but there we go. So. Uh, as I said, we're going to look back at yesterday's game uh, with the Trotters. We'll hear the goals uh, shortly. We're also, of course, going to hear the reaction from the Addicts boss, Michael Appleton, um, who is obviously uh, getting used to dealing with losing now, having had such a good unbeaten start. We've lost our last two now uh, under Michael. We'll hear his thoughts on, on the performance, on, on some team selection. I asked him uh, bits and pieces about, um, yeah, well, uh, I, I asked him, like, yeah, yesterday was a benchmark game, wasn't it, for us, you know? What does that mean? How, how does that mean we lie compared to, you know, Bolton, who are probably a top, top, top six side, if not a top three side, uh, which is what Michael Appleton has been saying. Uh, we've also got a guest fan uh, joining us later on, Daryl Chamberlain, who is a Tolton supporter. Uh, also, a local journalist runs the Greenwich Wire site. So obviously we'll talk football, but also, also we'll touch a little bit on the um, the parking situation that's going to rear its head up in uh, SC7 shortly. Uh, Daryl will be the expert on that one. Uh, he'll fill us in a little bit on what's happening um if there's any way to stop it that sort of stuff uh we want to hear from you guys as well loads of you uh in the chat already a saunders says up the Charlton live uh chris is in there saying appleton won't last the season that's how we roll at uh, Charlton. yeah morning to spam fish paul uh to andrew to ray to to all hell let loose there's loads of you in there martin keith um yeah dudley uh paul yeah just uh get your messages in let us know what you made of yesterday's show uh, oh, yesterday's game, I should say, uh, showing. Um, and yeah, what, what needs to change for Tuesday? Of course, we've got Wigan, uh, another back-to-back game for us. So let us know what you think needs to change ahead of the trip to the DW Stadium. Before we hear the goals then, Nath, um, all right, bench, benchmarking exercise. Um, how, how, how do we fare in, uh, yeah, what's our score? Score, poor. We're a fair way off, mate. I, I think um, we're sort of talking to... Um, couple of people before a game it was Tom and Tom and Joe and I think some people in the concourse just saying that we played these last year what was it January I think and they get um every time they seem to come down they give us a little bit of lesson and yeah I think the first half it was too easy for him I think Michael's come out and said that we gave him a bit too much respect but it's literally exactly that we were just off we were just a bit 
we didn't, it didn't look like we knew what we were doing with the press. We were just always a step behind. The press was off and they just kept picking us off. And they and they just were just playing around it. There was points in that first half where it was actually quite embarrassing how easy it was for them. And they weren't really breaking a sweat. We weren't getting anywhere near them. And we were lucky with, with Ash, really, keeping us in the game. And it, we only went in at 2-0 down. We had a little bit of a bright start. I get that. But um, after that, it was just so comfortable for them. And it was just a disappointing first half overall. Um, and yeah, second half... Yeah, was better. Um, had a little bit more flurry and got in the good areas, but that was always going to happen. They were always going to, we're always going to have some sort of form of territory in the game, and we didn't do much with it. Um, I know the XG says we were very good, but ultimately XG doesn't mean much. Goals mean more than XG, and that's what <laughs> proof in the pudding says. We lost two nil, so we might be doing well in top of the league of XG, but you don't get promoted for XG, unfortunately. No, which is a shame because, uh, like I say, we, we smashed it yesterday. Let's have a listen uh, to the goals uh, from Charlton TV. Your commentators, as always, were Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith. And this uh, left-hand side, going to touch to Sheen. Williams goes for the return. Ball to the edge of the box and Morley. Now back out to this right-hand side and Williams who tries to curl it into the corner and does so off the post. Charlton left Williams all alone after the set-piece. And he was able to pick his spot into the corner. It's a goal off the training ground's help. That was deliberate, that move. We saw Morley look to his left, make the pass, and then the first-time ball across to Williams, who can open his body up, and it's a wonderful finish with his left foot. You see the corner goes short, and then Williams will just stand still in an area. You watch this first-time ball now to Williams, open his body up. It's a lovely finish. Yeah, tonight Watson maybe could get a little bit tighter, but Bolton had an extra man on the edge of the box. Felton left-hand side, still waiting for Thomas to come back on. Surely that's gone past the 30 seconds, but uh, it's on the right-hand side, and that might be why it's not coming on. Bolton feeding through to Dakers Cogley. Ball back across to Charles. He picks up the deflection off of Fraser. I think it might have been, might have been. But it was Charles who picked up the loose ball and slammed it past Maynard Brewer. Well, the question marks would be how long Terrell Thomas was there, but my question marks are more on the case of why aren't we tracking the runners? You know, we're down to 10 men for the time being, get plenty of players back, get organised, and we didn't. You know, it looks like Fraser runs into the referee as Cogley makes a good forward run. There's not enough bodies back inside the penalty area, and you can't give Charles like that opportunities. But we switch off. Yeah, Thomas may well have, could have been on the pitch, but he wasn't. No, referees decided it wasn't you get players back, you get organised, who's filling in at left back? I didn't see any of that from Charlton in that, that space of 20, 30 seconds there. There we go, that's the highlights from uh, Charlton TV. Cheers to Greg and Terry for the commentary and to Pups for the recording. As per always, um, yeah, Sue, I mean, obviously a, a little bit of controversy over the, the second goal. We were hearing Terrell hadn't come back onto the pitch. So he'd gone beyond the 30 seconds. But Michael's saying because the ball was in that area of the field, the officials weren't letting him on. Um, Fraser did run into the referee as well, which didn't exactly help. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the the manner of the overall performance, like like, like we were saying on Thursday, I, I really, you know, we, we probably needed a little bit of a boost just to get our belief back on track, you know, after the defeat against Lincoln. And if we could provide it against the Bolton side, then maybe it could have been a bit of a statement, but ended up, it felt like, particularly in the first half, a bit of a whimper, really. 
Yeah, so I, we was talking after the game and um, I said it's, it's a weird one with Bolton because I think historically we've it's always been one of them teams that we've never really done that well against. And I was, I'm not sure what that, that's about, whether it's just a coincidence thing, but um, it's, it's just, we just didn't, we seemed very like, we weren't playing as a unit yesterday. It was very, it was seemed very individual. And I think, um, like I'm reading a lot about, like we shouldn't have played, Alfie can't play up front on his own. And I think we've talked about that before. Um, but it just didn't seem, it just seemed really flat and that constant ball chasing and not really make, like making the most of those opportunities. Cause we did have opportunities. Um, but, and again, I think that's the part that I agree with with Michael in his interview um, was the fact that he sort of said like people that normally would keep their heads and and make a good effort at um, shooting at goal weren't necessarily um, as on it or a bit almost a bit panicky, panicky shot. So it's um, I'm I'm not sure what that was about. It was it was just really odd. Um, obviously, I haven't been for, to a game for a while, and I'd been seeing that how well we'd been doing, and then we got two losses in a week. Um, and I guess mentally, you're going up to somewhere like Wigan, um, which is a tough place to go. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, mentally. I'm not sure what's going on for that for the team, and some of the choices in the starting lineup was a bit odd as well. I think. Um, yeah. A lot yeah, of us I mean, can't. That's... Sorry, uh, sorry, Logan. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just going to say. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned the starting lineup. Um, that was uh, certainly a talking point. Um, Spanfish saying the team on paper looked good. What went so wrong? But then others are saying, um, you know, what, what, what's the deal with particularly Louis Watson not starting? And I do ask um, Michael Appleton about that, Nathan. Um, do you think he, he's been a bit unlucky? I mean, are we overreacting? I mean, we've had two games now where Fraser started instead of Watson in that deeper role. And I feel like we haven't really dominated the midfield. Um, but, you know, we can't forget the fact that Fraser was the one who played the great pass for the goal at Lincoln. So, you know, there's obviously benefits and, and negatives to both. But I mean, the line about Louis not really tracking back as Matt's, which is pretty much what um, Michael said about the reason why he's not playing. I mean, does that, does that apply to Fraser? Um, you would say so. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that surprised me yesterday is when I saw the three of them playing together, I I assumed Pan was going to be playing a deeper role, and then I think I, I could be I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure in the first half, Pan was the most advanced of the three. Um, maybe to help, obviously help Alfie with that press on those pivots, as I said on Thursday, but it just didn't work. I mean. The problem that we have is is as soon as Dobbo go, which I think Dobbo had a pretty poor game yesterday up to his standards, but I'm not saying he was the worst on the pitch. But the thing is, is when Dobbo goes to press, if he presses high, if they beat that press, we are royally up the paddle sort of thing. Because you've then got the last line of defence before you get to a dodgy defence at the moment is Scott Fraser. And I'm not being... Fraser's not renowned for his defensive capabilities. He's more of a dictator of a play. So... I was surprised with that. And with Louis, Louis gives you energy. Louis gives you energy. Gives He gets around the pitch very well. He glides across the pitch very well. Similar to Pan. Um, 
so yeah, I was surprised that Fraser started yesterday, and yeah, he did play a good ball against you know against Lincoln, but you do see him drifting out of games sometimes, and there's only so many times that yeah he can play a good ball, but sometimes without the ball you've got to do that as well, and I think we're so easy to play against. In that first half, they were in second gear, they were just knocking it around for fun. Um, so I think for sure, I think Louis could count himself pretty unlucky I don't you know I don't know if he's you know but I've obviously he might not have trained as well as Fraser or as you say Michael's got a ex- reason for it but I was surprised that Louis didn't start yesterday for sure yeah and Chris Collinwood says that apart from Alfie and Louis Watson uh, when he came on there's a real lack of movement in the team every time Bolton got the ball uh, they streamed forward uh, we just seem to hesitate uh, with the ball Jay saying warning signs were there in the first 45 against Reading they were better than us the second 45 hides how poor we were a decent team blows us away uh, in the past three games. Because it is interesting, actually, just um, I was reading Ian Evitt's comments before the game. Um, from He was reacting to a question after their win at Wickham, where apparently it's become a bit of a theme for Bolton that they only played for one half, which is feel, feels familiar, doesn't it? But that was picked up by Bolton fans and put to Ian Evitt. And I mean, he, he said the difference with them is they're often winning at half time. So he wonders if they naturally play a different type of game because they have something to hold on to, which obviously we don't often uh, have to, to hold on to. I, th- I think I think we've possibly only led in maybe one or two of Mickey Apple's games at halftime so far. Uh, so we've always had work to do in, in, in the second half. Um, l- looking at the goals, the first one, Randall Williams, a fantastic finish, uh, a, a short corner routine, the likes of which uh, we, we should only dream of, uh, Sue. I mean, it was a really well-worked one, but I guess you, you've got to be wary that if a team's going to ping you about and, and drag you out of shape, you've got to try and make sure that you don't leave anyone unmarked. And, and Randall Williams was the one who was given that space and, and he was able to curl an excellent finish beyond Maynard Brewer before, I think it was 10A, Watson was able to get out to him completely. Yeah, I think, what as Greg said in the commentary as well, and I think that we were talking off air about, like, like my again you'll talk about it but Michael's saying that actually like yeah it's a weldy shot it's it's a great goal but at the same point you shouldn't those sorts of players that are dangerous shouldn't be allowed to be able to get into those sorts of situations in the first place if you're defending properly and I would say that maybe a little bit of naivety that Tanaya probably should have closed in on him a bit quicker but like what you say, when it's pinging about a bit, people get dragged towards the ball and not the man. And it's it, that's where I think we're lacking in that kind of um, using that sort of initiative to sort of right, okay, if I if I'm man marking this man, I'm not going to follow follow the ball. I'm going to follow the man, and and they didn't do that. So yeah, great goal. But he shouldn't have been allowed to have even got that shot away in the first place, in my opinion. Yeah. Second goal and eighth. Um, so Terrell was off the pitch. Um, I think, to be fair, I think everyone's aware now of the new the, the 30 second rule that once you go off, you have to stay off for 30 seconds. That's brought in to sort of remove time wasting and people going down injured in, in added time at the end of a game to try and slow the game down. But obviously, when it's when it's applied that way, it does feel a little bit like a punishment for us when, when a player is genuinely injured. It's, it's sort of like using using the, the sledgehammer to crack a nut because you're, you're making sure you get rid of the few people that time waste and then punish everyone who ever gets any form of injury. Um, so that was frustrating. And, and yeah, Fraser, who, to be fair, like we, we, we were speaking about does he track back or not. I think he was unlucky that the referee was right in his way when he went to go for a dart yesterday. So that, 
we'll never know if he would have got back into the middle. But well, we did have three people around Dion Charles, and it was still him who was the, the quickest to react and, and and get the shot away inside our, our penalty area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of the rule itself, I'm not going to go into it because I'll just lose my um, head on it. So I'll just focus on the goal. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Fraser bumped into the ref or wanted a cuddle or whatever he wanted to do. And I get the frustration that Thomas wasn't there. But Greg said it said it on commentary. You st- just because Thomas is off the pitch, it doesn't mean you stop communicating. And we've banged on about it so much this season about leadership and communication. You need to still set up. I mean, let's have it right. It's not like Bolton had every single player apart from the goalie forward. They would have had their back four still there. So we would have had enough bodies to cover the spaces where he got it from. Yeah, we went out to press the press the ball and it, you know, there was a little collision between Fraser and the ref. But I still don't think you can excuse that from not doing the basics, I'm afraid. Like you still, you know, if someone goes off the pitch, if you're if you're if your right back goes off the pitch usually, you'd usually go, right, someone fill in at left back, so and so forth, and then you set it up that way, get through the phase of play and then go back to normal. But so yeah, and even if Thomas was on that pitch, there's no guarantee we wouldn't have not conceded the way we're defending at the moment. So I'm not having an, a, an excuse for that goal either. I just thought they were clever and we we weren't, basically. But um, mm. frustrating, for sure. Of course it is. But that's the rules. Um, and yeah, it, we've got one in the gonads there, haven't we? Yeah, Martin says, uh, having had the extra hour to mull over yesterday's defeat, the same old Bolton turn up again. Strong, hardworking, solid, no frills unit. who know how to do a job. And, and I'm, I'm not disparaging Bolton whatsoever here, but I... I I didn't think they even had to play that well, particularly in the first half yesterday. That was the most frustrating thing for me because like, I, I tend to think we rate Bolton higher than the Bolton fans do based on whenever we see them, they play well. And we spoke to what, a couple of their pods last week and, and they were surprised by how much we rated them. But I didn't think I didn't think they had to be great. Obviously, they carried a threat in that second half as well on the, on the counter-attack and they've got some very good players. But in, in the first half in particular, it was more down to that we really weren't at it and made it very easy for a side that are definitely going to punish you if you do so. Uh, Keith says, morning, fellow addicts. That was dismal uh, yesterday, uh, wasn't it? Chris uh, says, I wasn't there uh, yesterday, but I was at Lincoln, and that was woeful, so no surprise that we got well beaten uh, by Bolton. Ray said, the team was set up wrong from the beginning. I can't believe it took Apple so long to change it. Maynard Brewer saved us from a hiding. Uh, the only others worth mentioning uh, are Jones, Alfie, and a very tired uh, Dobson. I mean, one, one of the things that stood out for me yesterday in the second half, which is partly why we, uh, in the first half, I should say, is partly why we weren't at is because one, one of well, probably, yeah, both of our outlets yesterday didn't have great games. So Corey was quiet, you know, maybe marked out the game. TC, I felt, saw a bit more of the ball, but it just wasn't his day yesterday. And and he did grow into it in the second half, which I was a bit relieved by because I was concerned after that first half, you know, how, how does that affect like a um a young player? And he did he did have a few moments in the second half. Obviously, he missed the header, which, which came in quite fast. But that was part of it for me yesterday. So it was uh, in the first half particularly. Um, you know, our players who we sort of trust to go and do things weren't weren't at their game either. Yeah, I think it I think it was probably more noticeable with Corey because we know what he's got in his locker in in terms of what he creates. Um and it yeah, it just didn't seem like the usual Corey. I mean, yeah, Tyrese, I love Tyrese. He's just got that energy. Um, but again, like you say, He's very young, he's still learning and, and sometimes it takes him a while to grow into a game. So it's it's difficult when you're 
you're putting everything onto Alfie. And obviously, everyone knows Alfie. They know how he plays. So he, a lot of the time, he doesn't get those opportunities in them type of games because they are so tight on him and he's not getting those chances. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's just frustrating when you when you do see someone like Corey, who like we rate so highly, just not. And again, I think that that probably is the same for some of our other players. Like when they're on it, people like Fraser, when they're on it, they are unreal. But then when they're not, it's just it it completely throws the game. It's just it's really frustrating. And why is it that they can't? keep up that level of performance every game um, mm. or at least the majority of the time. Yeah, I mean, all hell let loose. Says Everett said they saw a weakness at how we defend corners and he says just one. I mean, it, th that was part of, I was thinking like, did, did they play that slick set piece, like short corner routine because they knew that we, we fall asleep and don't track runners. So they knew that a free passes and you can drag a bit of space in our area. It looked like it was really well worked to be fair to them. Uh, and as James says, and we can discuss our front six till we're blue in the face, but this, with this defence, we are going nowhere. We could have Messi, Ronaldo and Kane up front, uh, but it would still make no difference with our back five. We stick Kane in midfield after that goal we scored from the halfway line yesterday. <laughs> Get him in the pivot, in pivot role with uh, with Dobbo. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, morning to Sid, who's, uh, who's joining us. Michael's saying, is the lack of movement down to fitness? Uh, if you have endless energy, you run around like nothing. If you don't, you can't. I mean, I'm sort of like what we had been saying the last couple of weeks is we did, we had seemed to up our energy levels since Michael had come in the door. But yeah, I, I don't know what exactly caused yesterday, other than I think it's probably the fact that we're just not as good as, as a side like Bolton, though. And, and it comes down to that benchmarking exercise. You know, one, one of the things I've put in my takeaways this morning is I've actually, you know, I've done the math. So from teams against sides, uh, from games against sides in the top eight. Uh, which is the top third of the table, uh, we've taken two points from a possible 18. You know, it feels similar to last year. Do you remember when our record against sides in the playoffs wasn't very good because they were better than us? Um, the, the average position of teams that we've beaten so far this season is 17th. So the highest team we've beaten is Wickham in 10th. Uh, we've beaten a few down the bottom as well. So on average, you're sitting in 17th if you're going to lose to us. Is that is that an indication, Nate, of who who we are and where we are? Yeah, I mean, the stats don't lie, do they? I guess. Um, you know, Carol Vorderman sort of-esque, that was Louis. But uh, yeah, um, it's... Uh, <laughs> but no, it's true. It's, and, and I think that's where we are. We, I think we had that little bit of a run, which was nice. Let's not, you know, don't get too high about it. Um, but I think it's just sort of put us back into a little bit of a rea reality check and that we're still mid-table-ish with an outside chance of of happening but as as we all know going forward we're great on our day but the lads behind them at the moment it's not working so and if you if, if most most times that's going to happen you're going to in the middle of the pack and that's and as your stats are backing up but even like you say yesterday we were just well beat and usually i come away from a game losing generally fuming at something you know like usually disappointed that but we were just well beaten yesterday. Bolton were, were better than us all, all over the pitch. And if you ask any Bolton fan, they'll probably say that probably weren't even in their top three performances of the season, probably. That's probably either middle to the bottom. They didn't really break a sweat. It didn't look like we had them under any serious, serious pressure. I know we had a flowy second half, but they looked fairly comfortable, really. 
I mean, you had that big old unit, that big old fridge at the back, who was a massive old tank that was. And then Bodvarsen come on. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Just we just needed Jack Payne on the field and it would have been brilliant. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, we're 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 miles away, mate. You know, we're miles away. But I'm not gonna get too down about it because we knew before the game, you know, where we were. We sort of know our Bol- uh, good Bolton are and they've had a good building process for the last few years. So not too down about it, but I think it's a good good reality check for some of us, just in case some of us get a little bit excited of the run that we had before, including myself. Mm. Yeah, well, we're all football fans. We all want to get get on the on the train. We're on a good run. Um, you know, I, I keep myself firmly grounded by by doing a graph on it. Keith says uh, you got to get it out. You know, you want to. So let's have a, have a quick look. Uh, just get, again, just gives you a slight indication of where we are. You know, currently on our points per game, we're sort of on fifty nine, which which obviously isn't ideal. Um, but the the important thing is that you can see you can see we're we're running below the. The blue line, which is where we need to be in terms of playoffs, so we 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 need a, a run of results just to get us onto a par with with where we want to be. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's not looking great at this moment in time. Three three four wins in a row can change that. So that's uh that that's what hopefully will will happen shortly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Andrew makes a good point. Uh, TC just needs to be positive and go for it. Yes, yeah, when he's at his very best, when he's running at players. And um, Dudley saying. Uh, we looked uh, okay against poorer sides. We've looked poor when we played against Barcelona, as superior teams. Uh, it's simple. Um, I mean, I run out uh, of milk saying, do you think we're in a building process? I mean, we're we're constantly. What's that? Is is it the the cathedral in Brazil that they've never finished building? Like it's just been they've been building it for like five hundred years. I think that's what we are. We're the footballing equivalent of that. In, uh, in sorry, in Barcelona, not in Brazil. Um, n- not that I've ever had to compare us with Barcelona before. Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris says we've had no building process for years. Finish nowhere every season, then get new players in uh, and no better. Rinse and repeat. That's pretty much what we've been doing. Uh, unfortunately, except we don't have a big shiny cathedral uh, to show for it. Right, let's hear from the addicts boss, uh, shall we? Mickey Apples uh, came to speak to me after yesterday's game. Obviously, we touched on a few different uh, talking points, that the team selection, the game, uh, the, the controversy over the goals. And I did ask him what Charlton need to do to become one of the top six sides. Uh, let's have a listen to what he had to say. Against Bolton this afternoon, what did you make of the game overall? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, listen, apart from the the two goals in the moment, um, I can't be too disappointed. I'm obviously disappointed to lose 2-0 against a good side, but I think looking back at the moments, I've just tried to look back at in, in, the, in the changing rooms there. Whether it comes to XG and all that, we were higher than we're higher than Bolton. Now that might be hard to believe and and read, but I I can actually believe that because I think that um, yeah sometimes you know when you find yourself behind in games it's easy to sort of feel sorry for yourself and step away from it. But the way the players sort of reacted in the second half sort of gives me great confidence going forward. Yeah, so you mentioned in the build up to today's game that be a good benchmark against a, a side that will. You expect to finish in, in in the top half of the top six, I should say. Um, how do you think your side sort of balanced up against Bolton? Yeah, I mean, obviously, first half we we were a little bit um, shy of them. We were sort of weren't they aggressive enough and probably showed them a little bit too much respect. Um, and listen, I'll take responsibility from that point of view. You know, we can be aggressive or a little bit more aggressive. Um, having said that, there was moments when I thought the players. Could have done that a lot more in the first half, but ultimately, I think obviously when you concede, 
the goal, the first goal was a wonderful goal, but the second one, in the manner we did, you could feel it within the stadium. There was an anxiety about what had happened. And that's through no fault of the players, really, more than anything, because I think it was 38 seconds before the ball actually got back towards that half of the field and that period, that um, area of the field. But the biggest frustration for us, more than anything, was that Scott Fraser got blocked by the referee, so he couldn't trap the run into the box. So it was almost like a double-edged sword, really. Like, you know, we, we were punished for having a player off the pitch and obviously punish them for getting an obstruction from the ref. Is that what the, the referee said then? It was the 30-second rule, the reason that Terrell couldn't come back on? It was more, not necessarily, that it, it was the 30-second rule, but it was more that the fact that the ball, he said, was in the area of the field uh, where Terrell was supposed to come back on. Um, but the irony be, being that, but why wouldn't that? That's always going to be the case. Because if the opposition have got anything about them, they're going to try and exploit the area of the pitch where the lad's off the pitch. Um, but it was more... So the ref obviously not recognising the fact that, you know, and understanding the fact that he actually blocked off one of our players as well and obstructed one of our players from actually affecting the play. So in the second half, as you say, your, your side reacted a bit, but we're always going to have their chances on, on the counter. But were you pleased with that, that second half performance? I think you have to be. And like I say, you know, I'm not really a massive fan on XG, but people are coming off the pitch telling me that... We had the better chances and, and that, that sort of speaks for itself, really. Um, it's shown that they've got a little bit of grit about them and I think we've shown that over recent weeks. Um, we've had we've been rewarded for it. Today we wasn't rewarded for it. Um, but they've, they've, they've shown me enough that they're more than capable of certainly competing um, with the better teams in the division. And obviously... I do believe that Bolton, if they don't finish in the top two, we won't be a, a million miles away. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously a lot of this was before you were here, but Charlton have only taken two points from sides in the top eight after or from a possible 18. So what do you think it is that they have to do to make the step up to be sort of on that level? Uh, time. We have to be better, of course. We have to be better. But I think um, over a period of time, you look at the lads that and the teams that are competing at the top end of the division. They've been doing it for a while with the same group of players. Um, that takes a lot of practice it takes a lot of time a lot of courage a lot of patience um, I listen and I think sort of come January you get an opportunity to mix it up a little bit freshen it up a little bit improve the balance of the group um, and change the profile at times You've mentioned that a couple of times what sort of profile does, does uh, need to be freshened up with, with the squad? Well I think you can see Obviously, in the second half, in terms of how we approached it, we were a little bit more on the front foot because we had to. It's making sure that we've got a group that are comfortable um, of being on the front foot right from the start and knowing that you've got players, not necessarily just in the starting eleven, but players in the squad as a whole who can deal with that and do it for 90 minutes. So, right, doing it for 45 minutes, an hour or whatever it might be, but to do it for 90 minutes takes some doing. Obviously, there's been a, a bit of a run of games. So there's always going to be chopping and changing. But one, one player the fans have noticed been out the starting lineup a couple of weeks is, is Louis Watson. Uh, came on again today. Why has he not been starting and, and what does he bring when he does come on? <clears throat> well, what he, what he does bring is he's, he's a good carrier of the ball. He's a good passer of the ball. What a lot of people won't see, and this is just part of his development, is when, play, when obviously the opposition midfield run off the back of him. Um, and, and that can hurt us at times. Um, Louis going to be a good footballer. Um, we have to be patient with him. Um, he'll get his minutes. He'll get his minutes at the right time. Um, it's like anything. You win a game of football, everything's good. You lose a game of football, everything's bad. People want to see the negative side of everything, and I get that, I understand that. 
but ultimately from an education point of view, development point of view, I've done it many times before and I'll continue to do it with the likes of Louis. Yeah. Um, Dan Carney has obviously been scoring goals for Southend in his first game. Now that Chucks is out and it's only a short-term loan, is that something for you to think about when that's up? I think it is. <clears throat> it's unrealistic not to. You've got to think about all your options. Um, obviously, you know, when I first came in, DK was um, chomping in a bit to get first-team football. We obviously had the option of Chucks at that time. Um, obviously, now that's gone. It's something that we can look at. Um, is there any update on when Tyo Eden might be back? I know he, he was at the training session the other day. He, he had a, he's had two training sessions, so listen, he could have been on the bench today potentially, but the medical people are telling him he can only play 20 minutes. So the reality is if Terrell or um, Tanai would have gone down early doors, certainly Terrell, it would have been very, very difficult for him to come on, especially after an hamstring injury. So we just got to get the balance right, whether... He's able to start a game and can get maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes out of him. But I think it's difficult to do that, obviously, when you're talking about league games. Yeah. And uh, Tuesday, we're going to another tough away trip, uh, another chance to improve upon the, the away form as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good challenge for us because, you know, um, we're aware that our home away form has to be better and, and can be better. And, you know, I think when you give players sort of challenges and put challenges in front of them, that's when you really find out like who can sort of deal with them situations. Um, it was a difficult challenge at half-time in the sense of you're 2-0 down against a side that are really flying and, and playing well. And they rose to that, you know. The sort of job at half-time was to try and win the second half. I felt we did enough to do that. Um, ultimately, that might not have won you the game, might not even got you a point. Um, but they certainly had an attitude in the second half as much as they really wanted to go out and win the game. Were you tempted to bring Miles on earlier? Because he certainly gave you more of a focal point once he came on. Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, but I also felt in the second half, it was almost like one-way attacks. they become a turnover team in the second half, whereas in the first half, they, obviously, they were a possession team. they become a counter-attacking team in the second half just because we sort of had them pinned in and pressed. So it's just getting that balance right of when the right time is because what you don't want to do is take away the momentum that we had at that time as well. Do you think, in terms of Tyrese, a bit of frustration in the first half, and some of it seemed to be directed at him. He's got, a, he's got to kind of deal with that. But as a young player, it probably doesn't massively help him, does it? Really, it, it done. But listen, we we got we got round him at half time, and you know, sort of tried to keep his belief within him. Um, and I think I think that showed in the second half. You know, there's a lot of work that went into him at half time, and you know, I made it. I tried to make a, a note, and a, I made a beeline for him as soon as that half-time whistle went and um, just got him to sort of refocus and think about his game and I was delighted the way he sort of responded in the second half because, you know, I did think he was a real threat. Do you think, Mike, do you think the two defeats is like a wake-up call to Charlton fans or maybe expecting things to get better and better and well, you know, it's, it's like a reality check, if you like? M maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, no, maybe, maybe. I think it's one of them where I think Coming in, the likes of myself, Andy, and certainly the board and the owners, we knew this isn't a quick fix. You know, this is this is work that needs to be done over a period of time, and it's not it's not going to happen overnight. I think what we need to do, and I think I've said this on two or three occasions, is we need to try and keep picking up points and staying in a place where we're in contention of giving ourselves a chance, because things will improve in January. There's no doubt about that. 
I think the reason why there's probably a little bit more hope than potentially there would have been in previous seasons is it's a little bit of an open league this year more than ever. And there's not like one or two teams sort of dominating, 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 which makes it a little bit more interesting from top to bottom. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to take that hope away from our fans at all. Um, I enjoy it and I like that side of it. I think there's um, maybe a little bit of realism, I suppose, over a period of time that that might come into play. But there's still a belief within the group that that they can, you know, do good things this season, and that goes right from the top to bottom. So as long as we've got that and we can still have that after t- days like today and moments like today where you've had back-to-back defeats. We'll be alright, we'll be fine. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. Hello, fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Charlton fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. Just before the adverts there, we heard from the addict's boss, Mickey Apples, um, on yesterday's game. It's quite a long interview, but I, le- I left it running after my questions because uh, particularly the last question I found interesting about, I don't know, a, a sense of realism setting in. Um, no, if, there's certainly been a change in tone maybe from Michael. I, I don't know if a change in tone is actually the right word because I think, in fairness, in his very first interview he referenced the January transfer window a couple of months ago we were saying we think that might be a record for a manager coming in and saying right let's get to January straight away because obviously there's work work to be done with the squad so what does that say about about how the summer's gone that that sort of stuff Michael's obviously not impressed with elements of the squad there's players that haven't been anywhere near it since he's come in obviously Chem Campbell I think's barely featured he came off, off the bench the other day um, James Abankwa hasn't featured. Um, you know, there, there, there's there's obviously things he needs to change. But yeah, it, it, a reality check is probably the phrase that, that, that comes to mind after, after what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I think like we said, we had a nice little bit of a run of form, which was great. 
And then uh, this, it, it was a dis- I was more disappointed on Tuesday than yesterday, to be fair, um, against Lincoln. But yeah, he's he's come out numerous times and said that it's too young. He said that he needs some more senior pros in there. Whether that's in terms of just age, like, I don't don't give him a lot. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to go and sign four thirty-eight-year-olds or anything like that. But I just think the the piece about um, leadership, communication, just game management. We don't really manage games very well. Um, so it'll be interesting what he did mention saying about January, because as you say, Chem Campbell, Charlie Kirk was on the bench yesterday, which I never. Never thought I'd see that in front of Chem Campbell, but I don't know. Maybe Charlie started training better than Chem. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting in in um, in January because I said yesterday if we if we within touching the distance of playoffs miraculously, it will be interesting interesting how they then play it in terms of the transfer window because as you said, if they're saying it's an open league and we're in touching distance, then surely you have a go, right? But I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but obviously Michael seems to know what he wants, um, and it, you can tell everyone can see it's imbalanced the whole team because you every, every week we're talking about oh why is Tedic out wide or why is Alfie up front on his own? Can he play on the left? Who plays in the ten? Fraser can't play deep. You can tell how how imbalanced we are. So it's going to be interesting anyway. So at least come January. Yeah, it was a good point. Yeah, but I mean, what, what you're the, you're in danger of doing there, Nathan, is applying logic to a situation which, um, not to say in this ownership, but all those Charlton ownerships have never really operated like that. So let, let's let's assume the worst and hope for the best. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, when it comes to, uh, to to the January window if we are within touching distance, which, as, as the league is a little bit more open, as Michael said, then may, maybe we might still be right. Um, we kept in uh, waiting long enough. It's guest fan time. A very important man joining us now. Uh, Daryl Chamberlain is an important man because he's a Charlton fan, of course, but he's also a, a local journalist uh, who runs the uh, the Greenwich Wire site, um, knows everything about the local area. So we're going to speak to Daryl not only about football, but also about the uh, the controlled parking zone. Daryl is the man who sits through those boring council meetings, so we don't have to. Um, how are you this morning, Daryl? Good to have you on. I'm, I'm very well, Louis. Thank you for having me on. I don't like XG either, but oh, good. <laughs> good. Thank you for the interview. I, 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 I only like it when I'm in a good mood, and it says we 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 like we deserve a win, but not not when we we're, not when it tries to tell us that we did, but we've lost. I'm I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. What did you make of um of yesterday's game? What have you made to the to the start of the season? Are you looking forward I, to the January window as well? Yeah, I, this is that that was what I was thinking. Sort of during, during yesterday's match, you know, January can't come soon. I mean, that's enough, really. Um, yeah, I've I've drifted in and out of it this season. Um, partly, I've been away for a couple of matches, so I've not I've, I've not maybe seen enough of it. But um, but yeah, yesterday it was a wake up call. Um, I sat there thinking, why haven't we got a player like Santos? <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I thought, in, in some respects, you couldn't take your eyes off that second half because so much was going on. Um, and uh, you know, and I, I think. You can tell there is some goodwill behind Apple, you know, for Appleton still, because I think that you know perhaps in the, under previous circumstances, everyone would have walked out and gone to the pub at half time. I think <laughs> a tune all down. Whereas people did stick around. There is that bit of goodwill. So yeah, if we can hold on till January, we'll see what happens. Daryl, there's a long time till January, which we both know. But um, <laughs> if <laughs> if um, if you held the purse strings. How many, how many players would you? How many players and what positions would you want to strengthen? I know what one of the answers is going to be, but um, how many would you try and get in? Uh, I, I couldn't say how many, 
But from yesterday, looks like the defence. I think you could just see heads going down straight away all through the match. And that's that's that to me, and I'm not particularly good at football tactics, but that just seemed to me that you know the, the clear thing that just the defence was switched off and was all over the place. Hi, Daryl. Um, I see. What What would you? Uh, I mean, looking at the current squad as well, and I think we we do. The boys always sort of make fun of me that I'm the the rose tinted glasses one. So. I, I feel like you you might be on my level with that. What looking at like we keep uh, concentrating on these negatives and the defense and stuff. What would you say at the moment the current strengths are within the squad that we've got and how we can sort of bolster that in January and and sort of enhance that more. I think I mean looking at yesterday's team, um, Alfie May. You know he obviously didn't have a brilliant game yesterday, but. But just generally, you know, yeah, he works so hard. George Dobson, obviously. Ashley Maynard Brewer, you know, I think, I think he, he, he does look like he'd run through a hail of bullets for you. Um, you know, so, I mean, yeah, there, there, there are there are you know, good things. That I couldn't really say how I would, you know, oh, yeah, I think May needs service, basically. I think that's what he really needs. I think that's the probably the thing that springs to mind the most. Mm, yeah, there's uh, there's obviously elements of, of our side that are positive, as, as Sue points out. Which we, we, sometimes after a loss, we we, we forget um, too much. But let's uh, let's pivot now onto something that uh, Daryl, I knew you'd be the expert on this, um, and and it's something that has concerned Charlton fans over the last few weeks. Uh, I did I didn't want to speak about it only from our point of view because I don't know the details as much as you will, but. Um, it's been announced sort of recently, well, over the last few months, but now it looks like it's really going to happen. And you've covered it on your Greenwich Wire website here that there's going to be an extension of the um, of the CPZ, the controlled parking zone around the club. Um, so could you give us a, just a bit of a, an overview on, on what the plan is and, and how this could affect match-going fans? Because a lot of Charlton fans are worried that it's going to really make it difficult for them to, to, to come to games at the Valley. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I have to say, first of all, that I actually have to blame Charlton for me being interested in council things because the whole saga of the Valley years ago and following it through Voice of the Valley. And I mean, I think I was 15 at the time. Just, you know, it, it was one of those things that made me think, what, what does go on around here? How does that work? Um, so basically, um, Greenwich Council, is, uh, it has a policy generally that it wants to have controlled parking zones across the borough. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone will need a permit, but you know, some other boroughs do do it. Hackney does it. Um, it's, it's the one I can think of the most. Um, but they want them across the whole borough uh, to manage parking because they, you know, believe they're you know trying you know trying to control the number of cars basically. Um, and um, and for Charlton, uh, they have decided. And there was a consultation a little while ago, um, but I mean, this has been going on and off for years. Um, to expand it to, I mean, the streets off the top of my head would include um, streets around Bramshire Avenue going towards Westcombe Hill, um, streets around um, Coxmount Road, that sort of set of streets around just to the east of Charlton Lane. They're going to be permit parking as of maybe sort of, I would imagine the new year perhaps, um, you know, by the time they get the formalities for that sorted. And that's been consulted on, um, I don't think, after Bartram's been talking about this on Charlton Life, on Charlton Life quite a lot. Um, so that's that's already done. Um, the 
big move now is to bring in a match day parking zone, um, which will mean anywhere in Charlton that will have permits coming soon, that includes now and the new zones, there will be, you would need a parking permit to park there before 9pm on any match day. Um, which, I mean, I, I live, I mean, that's the other thing as I live here, I, you know, I live a few streets in the valley. There is a parking problem, but I, I, I think anyway. Uh, however, I don't, it's not the football club, it's people that live here and it's the retail parks and it's commuters. Mm-hmm. I don't really see the football club as being a, a, a huge issue, particularly at the moment. So that's, that's unfortunate. The Charlton Athletic Supporters Club says, says it's disproportionate. Um, and at the moment, the plans are out to consultation. Um, so, yeah, if you want to stop this from happening, or if maybe things are a good thing, you want to, want to, well, you know, want it to happen, then um, then you can get in touch with the council and state your views. Um, I think it would be useful if you said how this affects, if you have a strong view on this, that if you could say how this affects you personally, rather than perhaps... Um, yeah, rather than perhaps imagining other people how it might affect other people, but you know, let's say if you had you know had to take a you know a relative in from somewhere and public transport just isn't an option, then perhaps that is something you should, you could say. Then you could say that. Um, Nathan's just dropped in a note to say that uh, how's this going to affect local businesses? It's a good question. Um, I don't know actually. Um, often it is often said that I mean businesses do worry quite a lot about parking restrictions. Um, however. It does depend on the business, actually, sometimes. Um, you know, some it's often said that sometimes when parking restrictions come in, businesses actually aren't affected that much. Um, but it really does depend on the business. I know, you know, I mean, there's the barbers in Charlton Church Lane, for example. I hope I you know, don't want to break his confidence on this, but I know he worries about this kind of thing because a lot of his you know, customers will come in, you know, tradesmen, whatever, will come in park up, get a haircut, go again. So that he worries about that kind of thing. Um, mm. So, yeah, so it will be a worry for business. How it quite pans out, you know, it will depend on the business, depending on what they do. Um, as far as really how to be a Greenwich resident, have your say. Um, I think Greenwich residents and particularly Charlton residents are probably prioritised in this. However, I don't think there's anything stopping you from dropping them a line. Um, I would also recommend, I think, if you're outside the immediate area and inside, actually, to be honest, um, it may be worth dropping your in Greenwich. If you're uh, it's worth dropping your local councillors a line. Um, There's a wonderful site called writetothem.com, which will give you a list of your local councillors. And it'll also give you a list of your MPs. So it may be worth dropping your MP a line, even if they're no not a Greenwich MP. Uh, you know, for them to make representations on your behalf, because that, you know, because it, it, it is going to affect people. You know, I think, you know, these decisions tend to be made in isolation. Um, you know, they're, they, you know, it's disappointing that there doesn't appear to be, um, have, have been a conversation with a football club, um, yeah, before this. I think they have been notified, but there doesn't appear to be a conversation. Unfortunately, the club hasn't uh, responded uh, to it. Uh, well, hasn't, hasn't actually come back with a, a, a statement on this. Um, and yeah, you know, I think, I think, I think for some people, if they said, "Well, we're going to do this, but we are going to make your life easier," 
by doing, you know, having some paid parking somewhere or, you know, introducing a park and ride somewhere. I mean, Valley Express is a sort of park and ride to get to an extent. Then, you know, that might soften the blow for people and make it a bit more acceptable. But at the moment, it just seems to be very, you know, it just seems to be done in isolation. And, you know, it, 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 it's not good, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Withens uh, said, I can't see parking being an issue this season. I mean, it's clear that, you know, crowds aren't great uh, with, with Cheltenham at the moment. Obviously, the announced attendance and, and the actual attendance tend to be two different numbers uh, for all clubs. But you can you can look around the ground at the moment and see what it actually looks like in, in SC7. And, and there will be concerns. Um, uh, I'll be interested to know the average age of our fan base as well, actually, and if that will play a part in, in how people travel. You know, so I, I live in Sidcup. I live not a million miles from the training ground. So it's not actually, as the crow flies, I'm probably four miles from the stadium. But it takes forever to get there on public transport. I do go on public transport sometimes. I go in the car other times. But for other fans, that's that's not a choice. So it, it could be it could be a bit of a game changer for us, which I'm, I'm a bit concerned about. But um, yeah, Daryl, it's, um, it's been great to have you on. Um, you know, uh, thank you for giving us your insight on that. I'll, I'll put the link to uh, the Greenwich Wire website as well. Actually, just before you go, actually, there is other... Greenwich Wire Tottenham content that you have to tell us about because I read it after every game and I think every Tottenham fan should do. Yeah, sure. I'm so so to start I actually asked, would this go through Roland rather than the club? I think it would go through the club rather than the um you know, I think I think it's a bit like if you you know, if you live in a rented house, they wouldn't necessarily ask your landlord, they would ask you, I think. But um but yeah, so I also publish uh, Kevin Nolan's match reports um, after every home match game. And I in fact actually uh, I've got to put his up now actually. Um so, yeah, he, he's been writing for me. I used to run a site called the Charlton Champion, which is more of a sort of specific Charlton local site, but um, that's now been subsumed into the Greenwich Wire. And so I'm very lucky to have Kevin writing for me. Um, you know, that is, you know I, I think he's one of those writers that you, you don't have to like football to appreciate his writing style and how he writes. It's very entertaining. And, um, yeah, I'm appreciating how he's a little bit more glass half, a little bit more glass half full than most people which I kind of appreciate. So, yeah, and, and particularly when I've not been to see a game, actually, I've, you know, I, I do enjoy putting up his stuff. So hopefully within the hour, um, the Kevin's piece will be up on, on GreenwichWire.co.uk. Excellent stuff. Right, Daryl, thanks for your time uh, on uh, on this week's Charlton Life. Thanks for being this uh, guest week's fan and, and for your uh, expertise on local planning issues, which which will affect the club and and, and uh, Game Phone fans. So, uh, yeah, thanks, cheers, Louis, cheers yeah. for coming on. Thanks. Cheers, there we go. That's Daryl Chamberlain. Uh, from the Greenwich uh, Wire, um, discussing obviously the the, the game and, uh, and a bit of an issue that, that's going to affect a lot of fans that, that people have asked us to talk about uh, recently on the show. Right, let's have a look at a couple of emails that have come in. Uh, Chris said, uh, well, that was pretty rubbish uh, talking about yesterday's game. Surprised that the Lion Apples chose, uh, as we don't seem to have learned anything from Lincoln until it becomes solid at the back. We are going nowhere. Mind you, it could have been worse uh, if it wasn't for Ashley uh, Maynard Brewer. Carl uh, said, um, uh, I have to question Nath. Uh, I have a question for Nath as the tactical mastermind. Why do we play so narrow in our setup without the ball in the first half? You talk on Thursday about how much of their play comes from wide positions. Uh, we saw how, uh, how well last season Santos can play at sweeping those balls across the pitch. Uh, it felt like we played to their strengths and gave them uh, an out ball for the entire first 45 minutes. Did you pick up on that, Nath? That we were playing narrow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the only thing I can think is if they tried stifling it out because that's where they they predominantly play. So they usually tend to play it out, and then they tend to go out to that cogly at the right hand side usually. 
So I can only think we tried stifling them out, forcing them out that way, and then seeing if they could get down the sides of us, which I think they did go in between what our left back and our left centre half, didn't they? Both occasions. So it didn't really work out. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know why for that game, but yeah, we just seemed to play. I just think they were just a step above, to be honest. I don't think even if we were, if we were too expansive, they would have just played through the middle. And like I said earlier, with George Dobson, he's your sort of only sort of defensive minded player. And then when you're going to have him, just him on his own with Fraser next to they're going to get through. So Maybe he just wanted to pack out the middle to try and see if we could stifle them that way. That's the only way I could see it happening. Mm, yeah, Duncan says, uh, uh, on our benchmark, and we're a long way off. The gap has grown from last year. Their movement fluidity and the way they passed the ball meant it looked like they had an extra player uh, on the pitch. I love their corner routine for the first goal. Oh, for us to have that, that imagination and players execute uh, such a plan. Yes, the second half was better, uh, but even if we scored, I'm sure Bolton would have gone through the gears and scored. Uh, more Simon said um, first time in a uh, in a while at the Valley yesterday we were awful. Does Appleton watch the side? Um, uh, watch the opposition or just stick to four three three? I mean, if, I mean, it's not really a four three three. It's more of a what do you call it? Like a four two three one, which we sort of um, yeah. Um, it says putting Alfie though uh, up top against their big centre backs just isn't his game. He had no service uh, and he couldn't uh, win the ball. Right, um, we've got a tough game coming up on Tuesday. Sue up at Wigan. Uh, just started to to hit hit the heights a little bit. Um, you know, obviously they, they they started quite well. Had a bit of a losing run. Now they've won their last uh, three games uh, in a row. Um, yeah, obviously our, our away form has, has not been good enough. We're now on a, on a bit of a downturn as well after two defeats. So, how, how, how do you see us attacking this one? First question: Does Louis Watson start over Fraser? That's the first question, I guess. Um, I would I would hope so. But who knows? Um, yeah, I think I said earlier, Wigan is is one of them tougher places to go. And like you say, they've been they've been got they've gone on a little bit of a run after a bit of a, a wobbly start. But I think it's then when when we look at it, and someone mentioned it earlier, we do tend to raise our game against the better sides. So it's it's one of them like. I'd, I'd be really chuffed with a point. Obviously, it'd be buzzing with a win. But when you go into those tough northern sides that are like just big and rough, and it's it's hard to play your your game. And I guess as well, like we we've queried, what is our game? How how do we best set up? Because I think we still don't know our best starting eleven, even though we've discussed mm. it. On here, it's 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 going to be a, a tough match up there, um, and I think yeah, we definitely need to make some changes in the, the team. I think yeah, definitely bringing Louis in would be um, a good boost, and then I'd query about Miles starting as well. Um, I mean, again, like he, he came on and he has got that strength, and I think him pairing with with Alfie potentially could get us um some goals so i don't know i'm not a manager so i'm not going to yeah, pick the goodness. side yeah. yeah i've always said thank goodness we don't have to make this decision i mean even when we tried to do the best 11 a few weeks ago we never even got to the front line because he then changed formation and completely ruined it for us but yeah i mean there's decisions to be made uh, paul davenport says louis is far more dynamic than scott even when the latter uh, is fit. I mean, yeah, I, I wonder if that has played a part in, in it. You know, Fraser's still coming back to full fitness. What, what does full fitness look like for, for Scott Fraser in terms of ground cover, that sort of stuff? And and, and has that made a, 
a, a difference for us. Nath, I mean, it is a tough away game. Obviously, our waveform has been poor. I mean, my my plan for the game on midweek will be just absolutely bomb as many attacks down Wigan's right-hand side as possible. Yeah, I think so. I think so with uh, Sean Clare playing. I don't know if Seth, I know Seth played yesterday, but I don't know if he's playing at left full-back uh, or left wing-back rather. But yeah, Corey versus Sean Clare will be interesting. And I think if he plays Tedic on that right hand since against Sessegnon, little man versus the big man, that could be interesting as well. So I think I'm not super confident, but I'm a lot more confident us playing Wigan than we're due to play Pompey, put it that way. But um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Pan comes out just to manage his minutes and Louis comes in and you put Fraser in a bit of a more advanced position. It wouldn't surprise me if that happens. But again, um, I'm not too sure. But got choices um and i see so i ideally want to come away with something on a wet tuesday halloween night in wigan it's a bit of a scary proposition pardon the pun um but um yeah hopefully we can get something for the game but yeah i'm looking forward to Corey versus um sean claire or sean claire and Cess combo onto Corey. i still think Corey will win yeah excellent right we've uh, run out of time uh, on this week's uh, chat on life thanks to everyone who's joined us uh, live uh, in the chat on the show or caught up uh, on the YouTube stream uh, or uh, via the podcast afterwards. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and where you get your podcasts uh, as well. Massive thanks to Daryl, uh, who joined us uh, as our guest fans, spoke a bit about football and, and a little bit about the, the massive parking issue that's about to uh, essentially keep a lot of more, less mobile fans away from, from the ground so they can't park nearby. So that, could, that is a, a real and significant problem. Uh, for the club. A massive thanks to Sue and Nath, as for always. A pleasure to chat with you both. Thank you, guys. Thank you, both. Ladies. Yeah, I'm Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. Don't forget, we'll be back on Thursday to look back at the game against uh, Wigan, and then we'll be focusing our attention on the FA Cup clash with Cray Valley uh, Paper Mills next Sunday. That will mean we won't be live next Sunday, just marking your card for that, because obviously the game won't have happened yet. Um, so we'll probably miss next Sunday, but we'll we'll uh, we'll be back this Thursday anyway. So look ahead to that game and uh, see how we go on at Wigan. Thanks for listening. We shall see you later. <laughs>